like I said, so good to gather with you and to sing these songs. We believe worship is all about turning our hearts and our minds toward God, to be reminded of the most important things in the world, uh, which is found in Him. And so I'm so glad you took some time on this Sunday morning to gather in this place. It is a great day to be at McDowell. I want to welcome those who are online as well. So good to have you gathering with us wherever you might be. Um, use that little chat bar to, to jump in and let us know where you're watching from. It's always good to, to see all that. But it is so good to be in the room today, in the house. There's nothing like being in the house together. And uh, it's, uh, it's good to have technology to be able to, to be transmitted in uh, all these different places. But it's, uh, there's nothing like being here. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're in the, in the room. If you came in a little late, my name's Matt. And uh, I'm one of the pastors. Love hanging out with you on Sundays. It's going to be a good, good day, good things coming up. I want to share just a few things. It is Serve Week, uh, and we don't want to be a church that just talks about uh, the change that is needed in the world. We want to be a church that is about doing the change that we want to see in the world, about being the people who live a little bit differently than the world lives so that we might bring the love and grace and hope and peace of our Heavenly Father into the world today. It's part of the series that we're talking about, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Uh, the only way that the ways of God make it down into the earth is through His people. That's us. That's you. Look at the person next to you and say, you're one of His people. No, I'm serious. Look at the person next to you and say, you are one of His people. You are the church. You are the church. Like, you are God's Plan A, plan B, plan C, you might look at that person next to you and go, I don't know if I would choose you as plan A, but God chose you. And we want to be about bringing the good news, which is about practical love and grace. And so Serve Week is about this very thing. Many of you brought in the bags and put them behind your car. Thank you for doing that. We're going to fill up uh, Harvest Compassion Center, which is a, uh, a great organization we've started to partner with. And uh, they are found, we're going to deliver this on Thursday. Uh, one of their locations is on Tatum and Thunderbird. And that is where we're going to deliver this food. And they allow uh, those who are in need to come in and shop for free and take the goods that they need. Uh, they have clothing, but they have all these, it's like a grocery store. And so we're so excited that you're going to do that. There are also some other opportunities still online if you want to jump in. So mcdowell.church slash serveweek is the best place to find all the ways that you can jump in. In just a few weeks, we're celebrating Grad Sunday, and what we like to do here is celebrate those who are graduating. They've made it through, whether that be uh, high school or college or grad school, and so if you have someone in your uh, realm that is a part of McDowell, we want to know and we want to celebrate with you and their family so let us know. You can send in some names. You can also send in some uh, embarrassing pictures that we'll put up on the, on the slides. Um, so you can submit this at mcdowell.church slash grads is the place where you can submit those things. Summer camps are coming up. Um, just like I said, just a few little things that you don't want to miss. Summer camps are coming up. And uh, we have a number of opportunities from Camp Create. We have two options for Camp Create this year because we sell out every year. So we're going to do two options for Camp Create. We've got a kids camp, which is fourth and fifth grade. Then we have a middle school camp uh, for those middle schoolers, sixth through eighth grade. And then a high school camp 
uh, June 21st through 26th over in California. The middle school camp is here in town. But uh, you, you'll definitely, if you have kids or your kids have friends, you'll definitely want to get them in. It's one of the highlights of the summer for these students and these kids. My kids never want to miss this. We always have to build our summer vacation around it because it's such a great week. Also this year, um, we, are, we, we, we tried to start this last year, but everything got canceled last year. So um, this year will be our first year to host and run uh, a track camp, which is a camp for foster youth. We will take some foster youth uh, who are in group homes uh, up north into the mountains, and we are hosting the entire thing, putting the entire thing together. And this is kind of our mission trip for the summer. And if you are interested in being a part of it, we would love to have a conversation with you. There is a meeting right after this service on the other end of the building, so on the far west end of the building in the Student Life Auditorium. There will be uh, about a 15 to 20 minute uh, little conversation, and then you can stay and ask questions after that. But just to let you know the details of track camp where we get to... Um, really encourage and invest in some foster kids who are often set aside and marginalized by our world. So I'm, I'm so stoked. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited about what we're doing, what you all are doing to invest in foster kids. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that Jesus said was so important is to take care of the orphans, those who don't have a home, and that's what we want to be about about those practical ways of taking care of those who are forgotten or set aside. So we've been in this series uh, called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name, or set aside be your name. And then, and then he taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't think Jesus would have taught us to pray that if it wasn't possible for the ways of God to break into the world in which we live. And when we pray, may your, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're doing is we're opening ourselves for God not just to work in us, but to work through us and bring about his good all around us. And Acts is the story of that beginning to break through into the world. And it's amazing to me that the movement that is the church in the world today began with a small group of people in a little Middle Eastern town, a village in obscurity. But because of that commitment of that small group, millions upon millions of people today gather in the name of Jesus. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, that should blow our minds that we are sitting in this room. We are gathered in the name of Jesus because of a movement that began by a man named Jesus and his followers. It's unbelievable. Acts is the story of that. And I hope you've been reading along in the book of Acts. And if you haven't, it's super easy to catch up with us. Uh, I think we're on about chapter, was it 17 today, 17, 18, somewhere right in there and some great stories of what God is doing. And just to give you a little quick overview of where we've been and where we're going today, the book of Acts, this is what we see taking place, that there was an event, the resurrection of Jesus, and the, an encounter that these early disciples had with the resurrected Jesus. Now, don't miss this. It's so very important that 
the disciples of Jesus, you may, you may not be sure about the whole Jesus thing and the God thing and all that's going on, but, but don't mistake this, that the disciples of Jesus, those 11 disciples, when he was crucified and buried, which historians, whether or not they, they believe that he was the Son of God, historians agree that Jesus was a person who lived, he was probably crucified and buried. The disciples went home. They called it quits. That was it. They had given their life to this person, and he died. Something happened significantly to stir in these disciples the strength and the courage to go about telling others and have their lives threatened. They were beaten. They were arrested and thrown in jail because of what they were saying. It was an event, an encounter that they had with the resurrected of Jesus that led to the movement that we are a part of today. Uh, In Acts, it is unmistakable that God's presence and power shows up in unbelievable, mysterious ways that moves the good news forward, that furthers this, this story of Jesus. And it begins to draw in people from every edge of the world. I think this is so important, especially in our, in our day. What began as a small Jewish movement became a multi-ethnic, diverse community of people who came from a lot of different places but were all gathered around the love and the grace of, of their Father, God, made known through Jesus. Now, don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this. What was a mono-ethnic group became a multi-ethnic movement where every person, every person was seen as valued by God. And church, we need to reclaim this imagination and this practice of respecting and valuing every human being who lives. And if the good news, if the good news and the movement that is the church is to go forth and bring good news to the world, it must begin in the ways that we experience with one another the love and the grace that God has given us. And it's the power, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence itself, that will give us the courage and the strength to do this. And so then we see, and where we're going today, is that this movement to bring good news is is made known through the church, and that's us. And this isn't isn't a club. It's not a social experiment. It's a movement. And a movement moves. We do not sit and gather in a static way. It's why I tell you Sundays, it's a good starting point, but this isn't the end of the road. This is what spurs us on, and so this is what I want to talk about today. Can we talk about the church a little bit? Okay, so some of you are in. Okay. Now listen, so Peter gets up and preaches to this big gathering of people who have come together in Jerusalem. Uh, 
Peter gets up and he preaches and he just tells them the truth. He talks about the Jewish past and, and what they had experienced in the past. And he tells them about Jesus and what happened with Jesus. And he was resurrected and we experienced it. And because of this, there are no longer boundary markers to who gets to get into God's family. Everybody can get in. Everybody's invited to the table, which was what was supposed to happen before, but it went off track. And so Peter announces this. And look at, look at this at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. We're going to be baptizing some today, which is going to be awesome. And added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000. Can you imagine? 3,000 people coming to this new understanding and belief that God loves them more than anything they've ever experienced, that God loves them and they're baptized, which shows the death of their old life and this new life coming, coming about, and they were added to the church. And so what is this church thing? If it's not just a gathering on Sundays where we come together in a building and we sing some songs and we open up God's word, like what is the church? Now listen to, to what, they, what they did. All the believers devoted themselves, so all of those who believed the good news about God uh, made known through Jesus, all of them devoted themselves, in other words, they committed them, themselves to, to a few certain things. And here's the baseline of the church. It doesn't matter what church you go to, it doesn't matter what country you're in, that the faith, faith in Jesus is made known in these things. It's what the early church did, and it's what we're about. Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That doesn't mean my teaching, although I hope what I bring about and what Cameron brings about and what Don brings about and what Sarah brings about when you hear all of us teach is about the ways of Jesus. When it says they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what they were devoting themselves was not to a specific teacher, but rather the ways of Jesus. That, what was, that was at the center of them. So they devoted, they committed themselves to the ways of Jesus and to the fellowship and the family. Like, look around. No, really, seriously, look around. Like, <laughs> look around. This is the family. And you know what? There's a lot of members of the family that aren't yet here. They're not yet here. And one of the things that we are to be about is about bringing people back home. To bringing people back home. Because when someone in the family is missing, you notice. I remember when we took, uh, I mean, I know I'm super young and it, it's, it's hard to imagine that I'd have a kid in college. <laughs> but I do. And I feel it every day. And, um, there's this, there's this point at which you, you drop your children off to college, and some of you with young children, you celebrate thinking about that day <laughs> right now. Like last night, you were up at like 2 in the morning, and you are like, there's a day when we drop them off and they don't return with us at home? Like, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> there's a day that you drop them off at college, and you get home, and you look around, and there may not be as much chaos as there once was, but you look around and you go, someone's missing. And you sit down at the dinner table for the first time without your child around the table, and it might be more calm, and it might be cheaper to buy groceries. 
But y'all, someone's missing. And the church should notice when people are missing. And we should be about bringing people home to the love of their heavenly Father. The early church was devoted to this, to the ways of Jesus, to the family, to one another. This week, um, on, on Thursday, we got a phone call that someone in the family is being rushed to the hospital. And uh, it's, it's that, those moments, some of the most painful moments of life, life, things that aren't expected. And this week, um, we lost someone from the family in an unexpected way. And we notice that, we see that, and it's when the church stands up and surrounds those who are in grief, not with answers, or, but, but with presence, because we love one another and we're committed to one another. And we walk with one another, no matter what the difficulties may come. It's, it's the people. It's the family of God. And to the breaking of bread. And this phrase, the breaking of bread, is one of those phrases in the early church that they used to talk about the Lord's Supper. So the breaking of bread is not just um, dinner parties, which I love like crazy. The breaking of bread is a commitment to the sacrifice of Jesus. And when we're committed to the sacrifice of Jesus, we're not just committed to what he did, we're committed to being a sacrifice, to pouring ourselves out, just like Jesus did in the blood, his body which was broken. We're committed to that kind of thing, the church, and to prayer. They committed themselves. These were the things at the center. These were the things that, that gave them grounding in how to live life in this new Jesus way. And look what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them. This, this deep sense of, oh, wow, awe. The, the first time um, I went to Colorado with a group of friends and I stood uh, on top of, of Breckenridge Mountain and I'd never, I'm from Alabama, all I've seen are little hills and pine trees. And I remember standing on top of Breckenridge Mountain. My friends, I was going to go to ski school, but they said, no, just go to the top of the mountain with us. You'll be fine. <laughs> and I got to the top of the mountain, and they decided to ski down, and I decided to just look and watch. And I remember sitting, and I remember taking my skis off and sitting there because I was in such awe of, of something I'd never seen before. And I think that's kind of what was going on. Like with this movement, there was something so significant that people just stood and were, they were in awe of what happens when you have a group of people committed to the same direction and same movement and the same love. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and the believers met together in one place. They shared whatever they had. They even sold possessions and gave them to those in need. We have people who do that in this church in unbelievable ways. They sacrifice what they could have in their house or in their life, and they sacrifice to give to the mission of McDowell. 
It's the way that we continue, and it's the way that we spread. The same generosity that God's have is the same generosity that we spread. The things that he's, he's blessed us with. I mean, those of you who brought things and put it behind your car, um, that's what you're doing. You're doing this very thing. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes uh, for the Lord's Supper. And these, these weren't prescriptions on how everybody should do it. Like, this doesn't tell us that we should meet in the temple every day. We don't even have temples here anymore. Some of you are like, does that mean we need to come here every day and buy a coffee or? <laughs> no. We meet week, once a week. We gather together, and then we share what we have. We worship together. We meet in homes and take communion. We share meals with great joy and generosity. Now listen to this. All the while, they praised God. I wish I could see how they did it. Sometimes we get caught up in the, like the music, and we're like, well, what kind of music did they sing back then? I guarantee you it sounds nothing like the music of today. And it sounds nothing like the music of your parents or your grandparents or their grandparents. It's, who knows what it sounded like, but... There's nothing, there's nothing um, unchangeable about the songs that we sing. It's the message of the songs that are about praising God. And then, look what they did. They enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. There was something that was happening in the movement of the early church that people on the outside thought it was good. And it's interesting to me that Oftentimes, when the church is talked about by the world, it's not good. And it should wake us up. Because we are, be, we are to be a people about good. Good news for everyone, no one excluded. So here it is, the new, the new community. Teachings, relationships, sacrifice, and prayer. Isn't that, isn't that a great little list that we find early on in Acts? And then what you see happening in Acts is these little communities popping up all over, and this is what they were committed to. This was at the center of those communities, and this, I hope, is what defines the center of this community. The ways of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the relationships, the healthy relationships all around here that we're building and strengthening, committed to one another, deep sacrifice for, like what Jesus did for one another and for the world at large. For people who aren't even in the family yet, I know, imagine, loving, I mean, I think it was Jesus who said something about loving your enemies. Do you remember that part? Like, love your enemies. Love your enemies. My enemies? Even your enemies. Sacrifice for people not even yet in the family. Because God loves them and he wants them to be in the family. He gave up his life so that anyone could be in the family. So give up your life so others can get into the family. And you'll find that by giving up your life, you'll actually find life. What? Yeah, these are the kind of teachings that Jesus not just said, he lived, and the early church experienced it. And it's what you and I have the opportunity to experience as well. And prayer for one another. Um, just a word. Uh, this last year has been interesting, <laughs> hasn't it? It's been an interesting year, so much going on. And um, one of the things I'm learning and trying to grow in is in the, the deep relationships 
of those who aren't yet um, welcome at the table or in, in they're, they're, not, they're not yet in, in the sphere that I normally run around with. And I think I'm being more and more awakened to the reality that the scriptures talk about a diverse, multi-ethnic community. Even when it talks about the end of the world and the end times, when it talks about heaven, listen to what it says. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation represented. And I've realized I just don't, um, I haven't listened to the stories in some ways like I should. So I'm learning to listen. I think that's part of being a community, is learning to listen with humility, to listen to the experiences and perspectives of other people so that we might better understand this picture of what God desires for his his church. Without a diverse yet committed gathering, we are left to find our own way, see from our own limited perspective. Did you know my perspective is limited? Did you know that? Some of you are like, you're just now figuring this out, Matt? <laughs> Let me get a little more personal. Did you know your, your perspective is limited? It's limited by so many things. Your experiences, your past, your history, your family, where you were raised, how you were raised, how you were educated, all those things narrow our perspective. We keep ourselves at the center. We, we begin to believe that we're enough, like I'm enough to do this on my own. But this new community that Jesus kickstarts, this new community that, that Jesus launches it's marked by him and his love. It transforms us as we move in a new direction together. We, we begin to consider the experiences and perspectives of others that we haven't been around, which makes it a more beautiful community. Like I was waiting for an amen there. It makes it a more, did you know that, w yes, that's, it makes it a more beautiful, Beautiful, no, not many people call me preacher, but thank you. Um, when, when we have different perspectives and experiences, it, it makes it a more beautiful community. And one of the reasons it makes it more beautiful is because those from all edges find their hope not in the community itself, but in Jesus, who's at the center of the community. It changes how we live our lives and how we interact with the people around us. We begin to sacrifice for other people's goods and we place our trust not in our own abilities or our own minds or our own thoughts or perspectives. We, we place our trust in God, God alone. Uh, one of the authors in the New Testament, he writes this, so let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted, right? God can be trusted. 
Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. This word um, that translates in most of our, like if you look it up in your Bible, most of our translations use motivate. The word is actually uh, best translated instigate. But I think the reason that um, we translate it differently is because instigate normally has a negative connotation, doesn't it? You know, who instigated that? Like, who, who instigated that fight? What if we begin to say, who instigated that love? Like, instigate, like, provoke, motivate one another. Like, the church, we should be about motivating one another for, for what? To acts of love and good works. Like, this is what we should be doing within the body, within the community. Why don't you do this? Why don't you try that? Like, why don't you, uh, why don't you experiment with this activity? Someone came to me um, two years ago and just said, I, I feel like there's this issue in Arizona with foster children, and group foster homes in particular are oftentimes left to the side, or those who actually operate at times, group foster homes or who are foster parents are doing so for their own benefit, and it actually hurts the children. And we can either like stand and point our finger and say, well, that shouldn't happen, or we can actually get involved with those who need the love, like practical love and interest and attention from some adults who actually care about them. And that conversation about foster children led to all these different things that we're trying to experiment with to find our place to speak good into the lives of some children who need good. So let us not, yeah, okay. Let us motivate or instigate one another. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Because when we meet together, we can encourage one another. We can encourage one another. Now, I don't know what, what God wants to do um, with you and with me through this piece of Acts. But I'm convinced that what Jesus began in the first century, he wants to continue in you and in me. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I don't know exactly what peace he needs to like stir in you. There's some things that need to be stirred in me. But that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's his role. That's what he does. But friends, we have to open ourselves. And we have to, when we, when we feel, uh, when we sense the Spirit leading us and guiding us and motivating us, we have to respond to that. And if we don't, the voice, the Spirit, becomes quieter and quieter, not because he's no longer speaking, but because we've tuned him out. I learned to do this when I had parents. <laughs> I did it really well. I tuned them out. It didn't mean that they quit talking. They talked all the time. I just didn't hear what they were saying. Anybody else? You know what I mean? It drives you crazy if you have kids at home. They learn to do this. Listen, the same thing happens. Like God has not quit speaking to his church, and God wants to speak to you. It's the Holy Spirit that he wants to do this through. 
And as long as we continue to push him away or not respond to his voice, it just becomes quieter and quieter, and we tune him out. We just don't want to hear it anymore. And so I'm not sure what God wants to do with you, but I would beg you, as a part of this body, this family, like, listen and respond. And don't put on others what God leads in you. You know what I mean? Like, do the very things that stir, are stirred in your soul. And you'll, you, you'll never know what that'll do in a movement. But don't expect someone else to do what he's called you to do. Jesus said this, they're going to know you're my followers by showing up at church and putting bags behind your car. That's how they'll know you're my followers. When people ride their bikes by McDowell this morning, because there's some riding right now, right by McDowell, and as they ride their bikes, they're going to look over and they're going to go, there's a few Christians there because there's bags behind their car. And they showed up on, no, Jesus said they will know you're my followers by your love for one another, by your love for one another. Your love is what motivates and, and is a picture. It marks you as a follower of Jesus. It's our love. It's the mark of the ways of Jesus. Now, like I said, I don't know what God wants to do with you through this part of Acts and as you begin to read, but I do want to give you um, a test or a challenge or homework. Is that okay? Can I give you some homework this week? And here it is. Super simple. This week, you have five days, Monday through Friday. I know there's a Saturday, but you get that day off. Just count it as a rest day. Five days. Call or text someone from McDowell and maybe someone that you haven't seen for a while, that you know um, are around. Maybe it's someone that you see all the time, but they just need some encouragement. Um, call or text someone. Calling is, is a good thing. But I know some of you are like, I'm not going to do that. So I put text in there for those of you who are like, I'm not going to call anybody, but I'll text somebody. Now, the great thing is I see some students in the room and some kids in the room. You all, well, maybe not some of the kids, but you all can do this as well. Students, you can do this. You can text or call some people you haven't seen for a while that you just miss. And as you do, say a simple prayer for them. Five days, five people, five connections, five prayers. Can you do that? Can I do that? Some of you are like, I don't think so. Okay, you don't have to, but it's a challenge. I double dog dare you. <laughs> now, I realize like some of you are like, like, what do you say? Like, it's weird to text somebody. Let me give you an example. Hey, Roger, I was thinking about you today. Just wanted to say hi. Hope you're having a great week. Matt. Send. You want me to say it again? Because, and then some of you are like, well, how do you pray? Like, do you need to tell them? Like, say a prayer, long prayer? No, no, you just do this. You, you hit send, and you're like, God, I, I pray that Roger knows how much you love him today. Amen. That simple? That simple. And you know what? You never know, like, what that'll mean to somebody. Just a simple, I'll, I'll give you, let me give you another one. Hey, Dariana. You got baptized on Sunday. That was awesome. Matt. Send. God, I pray Dariana would feel your spirit as she goes to school this week. 
See how simple that is? So simple, but that could mean a lot to somebody. The right time, the right moment, the right person. That's the kind of movement we want to be. A people that notices each other, that cares for each other, that loves each other, that sacrifices for each other, and that walks with one another, prays for one another. Just like that early church. Who knows what God wants to do through us?